Hello, you're welcome to If I Were the Minister for Education from Onshaw.net. How AI is going to transform primary education. Technology and education have a strange relationship in Ireland. If a teacher said to a parent or another teacher, or anyone at all, that they didn't really like maths, so they don't bother teaching it or using it, there probably would be uproar. And rightly so. However, even in 2023, you'll still hear teachers saying, "Ah, I'm not really into technology, so I don't really use it. And no one bats an eyelid. To me, it's incomprehensible that a teacher would not utilise technology in their classroom. And to be fair, it isn't even true. People say it, but it's so embedded in our practice that most teachers don't realise they are in fact using technology. I don't think, for example, there is a single teacher in Ireland that doesn't use an interactive whiteboard. If the internet, let's say, went down in your school Maybe 15 years ago, people mightn't have noticed for a couple of days. Now you hear about it in a couple of seconds. In the last few months, the world of technology has been rocked by the emergence of artificial intelligence, or AI. And I don't think it's a stretch to say it's the next revolution and will have as big an impact as the internet did when it first came out. In this episode, I want to explore some of the things AI might do that will transform primary teaching and what I would do if I were the Minister for Education. Hello, hello, this is Simon Lewis from Onshaw.net with If I Were the Minister for Education, a regular podcast where I look at the world of primary education in Ireland and wonder what I would do if I were the Minister for Education. You can subscribe to this podcast on any of your favourite podcasting apps and please tell your teacher friends or anyone else who might be interested in primary education all about it. The evolution of technology, to me, is really interesting. How things can come and go and how quickly some things catch on and don't. I'm of a generation that first embraced the home computer in the form of a Commodore VIC-20 back in the early 1980s and then the Commodore 64, before finally getting a Wang 386 PC with Windows 3.1 and DOS 5 on it. Now, very few of you are going to get very excited hearing that, but some of you nerds might remember that. I believe my parents got a loan to buy it uh, from the ESB, I think, Um, and um, even though they'd no idea what they were buying for me, I think... um, one of the teachers in school or something like that said, geez, your kid is into the computers. You might consider buying one from. Um, I was already well in technology anyway at the time and I was writing programs on the Commodore 64 in BASIC. Uh, So I upgrading to this PC, I started writing those programs in QBASIC and making batch files in DOS and showing my parents rudimentary animations of a blob scuttling across the screen with a screechy synthesized Ode to Joy playing as it did. In my mind, I was as good as Bill Gates himself. And in their mind, I imagine they were more concerned about the monthly bill that they were getting from the ESB shop that leased the thing to them and probably worried about how much time I was spending in front of the TV screen or this monitor thing. 
Life in my house consisted of me sitting in front of that PC trying to make games and my parents paying back that loan and hoping their investment would finally come back to them in due course. And as you can probably imagine, uh, or even can probably tell by listening to this, clearly it didn't. Why hadn't they bought me a blackboard and a piece of chalk instead? Better value for money, I think. Anyway, when I turned 14, a company called Indigo came along offering something called the World Wide Web, the internet. And it changed everything, as we all know now. I sometimes don't think that we think about that enough, how it changed everything we do every single day. I mean, it's hard to name anything where the internet isn't involved. When I go shopping, my shopping list is saved on the internet and it's synced to my wife's shopping list thanks to the internet. I haven't booked a holiday without the internet in almost 20 years, I'd say. Without the internet, this podcast couldn't exist. And you'd probably say that would be a very good thing. From an education point of view, the internet has allowed us to bring children anywhere in the world virtually through YouTube, through Google explorations, through loads of different uh, pieces of software. And administration has been transformed by the internet where we kind of thoughtlessly check attendance every day on the internet and we can look up any piece of information we need about a pupil on our management information systems. In our classroom, those interactive whiteboards we rely on so much often rely on internet access. And people routinely get lesson plans and resources from the internet on sites like Twinkle and my very own MASH. People will routinely complain that all of this is happening way too quickly. It took 75 years for the telephone to reach 50 million users. The internet took only four years to do the same. However, a few months ago, for people who are saying things are happening too quickly, something called ChatGPT came along and it reached 50 million users in under a week. Yeah. While the internet revolutionized everything, including our education system, I believe that AI is the next evolution. For those of us that complain that things are moving too quickly, if you aren't using AI in some form in your classroom or practice, you're already way behind. A recent UNESCO report on AI in education lists America, China, Singapore, Finland, of course, Finland, the UK, and even Kenya as already having established AI in their schools. The Japanese government has just published an education program for AI in schools as well. I'm going to leave that uh, in the show notes, the link to that document. This is no experiment. This is no Google Glass, and it's certainly no smart fridge. Two pieces of technology that really didn't take off in the end. AI is not only here to stay, I think it's going to change our lives and our education system in much the same way the internet did. We are only at the beginning, and by the time you've listened to this episode, a lot of my ideas will sound as obsolete as a pager or listening to music on a CD player. However, that's my intention, to list a couple of ideas about how you can use AI in your practice. They'll mostly be maybe trite ideas in much the same way as all new technology can be used. I mean, do you remember when interactive whiteboards came out first and everyone was amazed at this magic pen. However, I'm hopeful that some of these ideas might give you some more ideas which you might consider using in your own classroom. 
So, without further ado, let's get exploring the world of AI in education. So for those of you that are thinking, whoa, 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 wait a, wait a second. What is that Simon Lewis on about now? Don't worry. I was happily talking about AI to a non-teacher friend of mine, and she stopped me after a couple of sentences to tell me, uh, to tell me that she was wondering, why, why, are you, why had you taken such an interest in artificial insemination? She's a cattle farmer. Yeah, AI, artificial intelligence, has been around for a long time, but the thing that has captured everyone's attention is this tool called ChatGPT. And this is what I'm kind of focusing on at the moment, uh, plus a few other tools that have joined the race. At first glance, ChatGPT looks rather disappointing. It's simply a text box where you can ask the computer anything and it will reply to you with an answer. Um, and that answer basically comes from a big, big, massive supercomputer database, which has collected all the information from the internet uh, sin, uh, since the beginning until maybe about a year ago or so. Um, so that's kind of where it gets on its own. It kind of puts all that information together and uh, comes up with a single answer. For example, I could ask, what is the capital of Turkey? And it will output, the capital of Turkey is Ankara. You can try it sometime. Just go to open, uh, just Google open AI and uh, go from there. And it does that very quickly. If you type the same question into Google, your first search results will also be Ankara. And it will also list loads and loads of websites. And in a way, it's a really bad example to start off with to show what it can do. So if I ask ChatGPT a different question, let's say, what are the main differences between the Irish primary education system and the Turkish primary education system? This is the first paragraph of what it will output. The Irish and Turkish primary education systems have some notable differences. Here are a few key distinctions. Structure and duration. Irish primary education. In Ireland, primary education typically spans eight years, starting at the age of around four or five and continuing until the age of 12 or 13. It's divided into two cycles, junior infants to second class, cycle one, and third class to sixth class, cycle two. Turkish primary education. In Turkey, primary education generally lasts for four years, known as Ilkokul, I think I'm, I'm pronouncing that correct. It begins at the age of six and extends until the age of 10. After completing primary education, students move on to secondary education. It then goes on to compare our curricula, language instruction, assessment and examinations. Now try that in Google and you'll see the difference. Um, and I mean, I, I don't know, I think it's worth saying that's amazing, isn't it? On that question, it was able to do that. And it was able to do that in less than a couple of seconds. However, it's probably unlikely that's of interest to primary teachers in their actual job. I mean, it basically compares the two education systems, national education systems. And you probably will know that the uh, there are, there, what they said about Ireland is right. I can't confirm the Turkish one is right, but I can't assume my, I have no reason to believe it wouldn't be right. But let's... As I said, this is much interest to teachers in their actual job, their day-to-day -day job. But they might, however, be interested in this question. Can you give me three teaching ideas for a primary school classroom about the country, Turkey? Now, I won't read the entire answer, but you basically get three ideas for your classroom. Note that I said the country, Turkey, rather than simply Turkey, just in case I got a load of ideas about the Christmas bird instead of the country. AI might be a lot of things, but it probably isn't nuanced. 
Essentially, that's chat GPT in a nutshell. You ask it for something and it gets it for you. This could be very, very powerful if you ask it the right question. It can be next to useless if you aren't specific. So for example, my question there, I don't think was a very good question because I didn't say what age group, for example, it was uh, targeted at. And I didn't talk about methodologies. I didn't talk about resources. I didn't talk about very much. I asked a very simple question. These days, there's a myriad of different tools like ChatGTP out there. And by the time you listen to this, ChatGPT may no longer be the biggest AI tool out there, although it currently is. As I'm typing this, Google Bard has been launched. And I imagine given its direct integration with Google's other products, it probably will take over. If you're a teacher and you have already used ChatGPT, this is probably the first thing you did. I'm guessing this is the first thing you did if you went into ChatGPT for the first time and you're a teacher. I bet you typed in the following thing. Write me a lesson plan for third class on the topic of Vikings or something around those lines. And just like that, you had an entirely decent lesson plan on the Vikings suitable for third class. The funny thing to me is that once you do that once, you almost take it for granted. But if you just stop for a second, isn't that absolutely amazing that with one question, you can have an entire lesson plan in less than 30 seconds, something that might have taken you in your teaching practice days about a couple of hours to do. And better yet, you can even ask ChatGPT to come up with your long-term plans and provide termly plans and weekly plans, and you'll have the whole thing wrapped up in less than 20 minutes. I mean, isn't that amazing? And to me, this is where ChatGPT, when used cleverly, is the first game changer in education. As teachers, we can basically create all of our lesson plans and long-term plans almost instantly, saving us time to do other things like teach. Ah, so just to summarize this, you can use ChatGPT to create all of your paperwork. The big thing will be to be able to make them decent plans. There's no point in asking ChatGPT to simply write long-term plans for third class you'll need to give it context and you'll need to be specific. So here is a sample prompt that might work for you for let's say the visual arts plan that you're going to do for vis uh, that you might do for your long-term plan. Here, here it goes. Using the revised 1999 Irish primary curriculum, devise a year-long plan for third class in visual arts that incorporates all of the strands in the subject curriculum. The headings should include aims, learning objectives, resources, approaches and methodologies, differentiation, assessment, and integration and linkage. It should also provide month-by-month -month themes to cover incorporating the strands. Do you see the difference in those two prompts? I was quite specific in what I needed for my plan. I popped that into GPT and I got a perfectly adequate long-term plan. I then added make this plan into a tabular format, so into a table, and expand on the themes. And that's exactly what it produced. And I just want to show you what September looks like. Okay, so say they decided that I would do in September, we'd focus on the strand of drawing, and it would be self-portraits and identity would be theme. And the four points they have is introduce the concept of self-portrait and discuss how art can reflect personal identity, study famous artists who created self-portraits, practice drawing facial features, proportion and shading techniques, guide students in creating self-portraits using mirrors or reference photographs. I mean, that's not bad, is it? And, you know, the thing is, you can then copy that and say, can you create me a set of lesson plans 
uh, over six uh, days uh, to cover these four aims. And you will have a, a number of lesson plans that will do just that in visual arts. I think that's amazing. I still do. And I'm using ChatGPT for a couple of, couple of months now. I checked in as well with some of my uh, Twitter community to see what they've been using ChatGPT for and the other IE, I, I, AI tools. And I got some great responses. While AI is going to make a lot of traditionally safe jobs obsolete in the future, you know, for example, accountants, solicitors and things like that, and perhaps it's just maybe wishful thinking, but I think teaching is likely to be safe enough. The creativity of many teachers will hopefully triumph. That said, I'm not naive enough to think that our creativity is the most valuable aspect of our role as much as it annoys me, and I think COVID time cemented this, if we're to believe the media, most people value teachers for their childminding abilities rather than their creativity. Just think of the last few stories about education in Ireland on the radio. Can you think of one that was actually interested in what we do in the classroom? I certainly can't. Another thought, another thought I had about AI and how it's going to challenge the education system was its effect on the textbook. Part of me thinks that it's not going to be affected. I thought the internet would have probably killed off the publishing companies, but it didn't. It kind of didn't knock a feather out of them, to be honest. And if I'm being honest again, I still have no idea why that is. Perhaps it's because despite my claim of teachers being very creative, in general, maybe they're not as creative as I think they are. And they're also fairly conservative. And uh, I think we only have to spend a day in a Catholic school to see that, uh, that teachers are very happy to keep going with that sort of conservative uh, system and not question it. Anyway, aside from those wide sweeping judgments that I'm making there, <laughs> backtracking, will AI be the tool that will kill off textbook companies? I think there's a higher chance of that now, which leads me to my second idea for ChatGPT that you might like to use. I can create an entire unit of work really easily with a good prompt in ChatGPT. So continuing my work on the country of Turkey, I put the following into ChatGPT. Now notice my prompts aren't very short. They're quite detailed. So let's hear, hear what, I had to, uh, what I put in. Can you create a unit of work on Turkey suitable for third class? It should contain a number of sections. The first section should be a 250 to 300 word piece about the geography of Turkey with five comprehension questions and three higher order questions. The second section should be a piece in the voice of a nine-year-old girl in a city in Turkey speaking about an average day in her life. This should be followed again by five comprehension questions and then another three high order questions. The next piece should be about Ataturk and his work in creating the Turkish Republic this might be followed by a puzzle based on the text above. The last section should be a piece about an event that happened in Turkey recently, which should also be followed by the same type of questions. So that's what I typed in. And within a few seconds, ChatGPT had basically outputted a chapter of a textbook. The second uh, section gave me a girl called Aisha, I think Aisha, probably Aisha, who talked about her average day, including what she eats for breakfast, the final section, which was quite vague in its instruction, I think, if you uh, if you listen to it again, a, a piece about an event that happened in Turkey recently. That's the only prompt I gave. Uh, it offered me a famous hot air balloon festival in Cappadocia, or Cappadocia, which I'd never heard of. And a teacher can simply copy and paste this into a document and maybe add a couple of images just to brighten it up. However, 
that seems even too difficult for me. So I want to make my life even easier. And I have a tool that I use all the time uh, in my work in school and outside of school. And I know you probably use it a lot too. And it's a tool called Canva. For those of you who haven't used Canva before, I, I cannot speak highly enough about it. It is probably the best tool of all of all tools on the internet. It's, it's my favorite thing um, of all. There's nothing, uh, there is not, not a single other app I can think of that I prefer and I use it all the time. It's by far one of the easiest tools for creating anything from posters to worksheets. And Canva has now embraced AI in a big way. And they have two tools that I think would enhance my example even further. The first tool is called Magic Write. And this allows the user to put in a prompt like ChatGPT and it will create a document very quickly, very similarly to ChatGPT. I used the same prompt as I did for the ChatGPT example in Turkey and I got a similarly good unit of work. Though I think ChatGPT shades it, shades it in terms of quality, but it was more, more than good enough in Canva. However, where Canva beats ChatGPT hands down is the ability to easily add images to the document in real time and create really beautiful pieces that would be perfect in any publishing company's book. In general, one can simply use Canva's Elements tool to search for what you need. So for example, I looked for an image of Ataturk himself, the founder of Modern Turkey, and I got a load of images of him and I picked the one that I wanted and put it above that little section. However, I think that might be a bit difficult, might have been. I wanted to get a, a, a picture of a nine-year-old Turkish girl um, and without kind of, you know, searching for something on the internet and maybe getting to copyright difficulties and all the rest of it, this is where AI really comes into its own. I used another tool in Canva called Text to Image, and I asked it to produce a picture of a nine-year-old Turkish girl. And within seconds, I had an original image of a nine-year-old, and I pasted that into the section where the nine-year-old uh, Turkish girl was talking about what she had for breakfast. After that, I spent about five minutes tidying up the chapter with uh, headings and so on, I'll leave the link in the show notes so you can see for it for yourself. In total, it took me about 15 minutes to create an entire chapter for third class on Turkey. And I'll, as I said, I'll leave the link in the show notes. Another thing I really like about AI is text to speech. And text to speech is nothing new, as you all know. I'm sure most of you are familiar with it, particularly uh, in Irish classrooms, uh, where you have children with uh, particular diagnoses um, using text to speech for a lot of their uh, work. And it's in built into quite a few of the tools you already use. But AI is much better than traditional text-to-speech programs in that can really get the intonation better than any text-to-speech that I've ever seen. In fact, as an experiment, I decided that I'd try and do that for my podcast. And I used a piece of software to, to try and train it in my own voice and then let AI do the rest. Now, Unfortunately, you are listening to my actual voice because, <laughs> sadly, the AI uh, that I used hasn't quite figured out the Irish accent yet. So I ended up sounding like a quite a posh, um, I suppose, British citizen uh, from, uh, I don't know where, maybe maybe um, Surrey or somewhere like that. I know I have a kind of a posh Irish accent. Uh, well, someone would say I have a posh Irish accent. 
uh, but uh, I, I come out with a very good Queen's English, I'll have you know. And um, anyway, so I, um, I am, I, but I, what I did was I contacted the, the company um, about uh, the lack of Irish accent and they're in the middle of working on that. So in the next couple of weeks, um, they may have an Irish accented um, AI generator, which would be amazing. However, even that aside, uh, what came out when I did the test, while I sounded like a British version of myself, I kind of thought, you know, it might be kind of worth having a sort of a an AI assistant presenter for if I were the Minister for Education for maybe shorter podcasts where I where I'm more useful. I could use my my actual self um, as the you know belligerent, complaining whinge bag that I am, and then I might use this AI. Uh, assistant, uh, for want of a better word, to create kind of smaller uh, episodes, shorter podcast episodes, giving advice on different things as they come along or whatever it might be. So I'm kind of, and I may do this, I'm thinking about creating some future podcasts of If I Were the Minister for Education using AI. Um, I said, maybe not the opinion pieces, but maybe for tips for the classroom or maybe to give summaries of circulars as they come in. Because I mean, one thing that AI can do is I could throw in a, a circular from the Department of Education and ask uh, ChatGPT or something to summarize this for um, a teacher in a particular tone. And then I could just use the text-to-speech AI uh, to turn it into speech uh, in a particular voice. And I could find, maybe I'll just use my posh English uh, assistant um, to do that. And then all of a sudden, um, I can upload that as a podcast. So my live poetry readings may now become AI-generated ones. I don't know. I'm making myself obsolete as I speak. Oh my gosh, we won't need podcast presenters. What a shame, you might say, that you won't have to listen to me um, with all my aiming and awing and stuttering and maybe my high-pitched whinges whenever I get cross. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, I, I, I'm, I'm definitely going to consider it um, because I just think it's amazing. And we're only in the very beginnings of AI. And even though, um, you know, that AI kind of thing I did, so, uh, experiment sounded a bit artificial and you'll hear it, I'm going, I am going to do it. It wasn't bad. It really wasn't that bad. It just sounded like a, a kind of a, you know, it didn't even sound that robotic. It didn't sound robotic at all. It sounded quite natural. And, um, you know, even, even you could hear uh, him taking a breath uh, before he'd start a sentence um, or you could, you know, the only thing was missing was, you know, these kind of, you know, the way I'm, I'm speaking, I'm speaking now, um, uh, but I have a script in front of me, but I'm going off in tangents as I often do. So it doesn't really do tangents and it doesn't make jokes, um, which again, you might be happy about. So I might be making very serious AI generated podcasts um, anyway. Uh, but let's move this into a classroom context because there's a couple of ideas here that might be useful. Teachers could train an AI tool with their own voice, uh, although it would be a British-sounding equivalent or an American-sounding equivalent of them. Gosh, it would be lovely to be a British teacher in Ireland now with AI or an American teacher in Ireland now because you can do this now. Uh, you, they, you'll have to wait a while for the Irish accent to be taken on board. Uh, but what they could do is create mini oral lessons for home use. AI is already powerful enough to translate better than Google Translate, so imagine com combining AI translation with text-to-speech and the power of that. You could be speaking in Turkish to a family uh, in your school 
um, to, to help them learn a particular concept. When this gets good enough, we could do it in Irish. What we could give to parents to help them practice the Irish language at home uh, without having to go to the trouble of recording anything. You just simply type in what you want them to do um, and it will be done for you. The text will turn to speech in a really interesting uh, way with the right intonation and everything. Children, of course, can get involved in creative podcasts and presentations using choice of voices. And there's even tools which will create avatars that will read what you've written. And, 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 they'll re- and not only will they read what you've written, their mouth will move correctly and their eyes will change depending on intonation. It's scary if you think about it, but the possibilities are very exciting too. So going back to my Twitter community that I mentioned just there, I got some really good feedback when I asked them what they're using ChatGPT for in AI. And I want to finish uh, with a quick list of ideas that were shared with me. So for example, Jana came to me using, uh, she said she uses ChatGPT and said it's great for learning objectives using Bloom's taxonomy and lower and higher order prompt questions. Also for rubrics and clear explanations of concepts depending on the age or difficulty level. Dervla came back to me and she says she used it with a child with dyslexia in her class. She said, I asked ChatGPT to rewrite books of text into codable sentences only. It worked really well. She also used it to help her with projects. That's a really interesting idea um, uh, from Dervla there uh, about rewriting books in a kind of a different, a simplistic way or in a, uh, which is interesting in, 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 and could be used to maybe make a book that maybe, you know, the way you get every child, maybe it's not anymore thanks to the gender stuff. Uh, no one likes J.K. Rowling anymore. But, uh, <laughs> money joking there. Uh, but do you know the way kids used to be, they were absolutely obsessed with reading Harry Potter, but they might be five and they just couldn't. Would You could actually ask uh, something like, well, not ChatGPT, but an AI uh, program to so- basically rewrite Harry Potter for a five-year-old and see what would happen. That might be interesting. Khan also used it to generate text for reading fluency. He said, I pick a topic we've covered already and also give instructions on a number of paragraphs, subheadings, particular words to include, glossary and prefixes and suffixes we've done recently. So quite specific there, very interesting. Emma sent me a brilliant link from a site called Ditch That Textbook. That's a website right up my alley. It offered 30 uses for AI to teachers. Uh, Emma's favourites include uh, some great tools for reducing teacher workload, creating e-courses from a PDF and turning web pages into interactive literacy activities, etc. Um, I also had a look at uh, the 30 tools that were there and some of them are quite interesting. So I'll leave the link in the show notes so you can see them for yourself. However, my favourite response um, and my favourite prompt was from one of the teachers, uh, is one I'll definitely be using myself or telling my teachers to probably use themselves. Um, Essentially, you tell ChatGPT to take on a persona of somebody and then you take it from there. This was Mark Kavanagh's example. Mark Kavanagh is a teacher who came back to me. Uh, This is the prompt he used, more or less. And I'm paraphrasing a little bit. You are and you insert a name of a famous person. So I'm just going to pick uh, Ataturk because he's the, he's, he was a, uh, probably the most famous Turkish uh, politician of all time. Um, so you are the Ataturk. Write in the character and style of Ataturk. Limit your knowledge to the knowledge of um, until 1938 when he died and use a language and content suitable for a particular age. So we'll say third class because that's what we were doing. So this allows the child to have a virtual conversation with anyone. 
it's really good for historical figures. So if we were going to go back to that Turkey example, so I'm going to do, uh, just repeat that. You are Mustafa Kemal Ataturk. You are fluent in English and you will be talking to an eight-year-old, so keep your language suitable. You will only know information about Turkey until 1938 because this is when you died. I asked this virtual Ataturk a few questions and it was amazing to see how well it responded. I asked normal questions like, what was the hardest thing about leading Turkey and got a really great answer. If I incorporated that with text-to-speech, it's easy to see how this would work even better and bring it even more alive. In fact, you could get a photo of Ataturk from the past and then make that into an avatar and use AI to animate that photo so it actually looks like Ataturk is talking to you. I think that's amazing. And I also, but I mean, as well as that, I also asked Ataturk, AI Ataturk, uh, questions that probably an eight-year-old might ask. What's your favorite TV show? And he was able to realize he wasn't around during the advent of TV and wasn't able to tell me an answer. And I asked him as well, what's your favorite food? And he also admitted to being an AI-generated version of himself, so he could only offer me some popular Turkish dishes. Still, not bad at all. As I said, I've been using AI for a few months now, and I already can see how it's going to change everything. I can also see that the Department of Education hasn't even started thinking about the effect it's going to have, and I'm almost certain that if it did, their focus would be on counteracting it rather than working with it. However, I don't think they're even that far advanced into thinking about counteracting it. More likely is that they'll do absolutely nothing and leave it to teachers to figure it out for themselves, as usual. They did the same for technology in the first place. They did the same when it came to the internet, when it came into the schools. I don't see anything happening any differently. In fact, I'm almost certain that's exactly what's going to happen. Overall, I'm actually very excited about what AI is going to be able to do. And I think I'm going to start creating some of those AI-generated podcasts with hints and tips for teachers and school leaders. I know it might not sound like it, um, but it does take me hours to write, record, and produce these podcasts. If this experiment ends up sounding reasonably decent, um, you know, with the even with the mad kind of accent, you know, I think... Um, I mean, I might just even start wait before they get the Irish accent sorted and then I'll just move to the Irish accents. Uh, hopefully I won't end up sounding like Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman in that, what was that film, Fire and Away, was it? Uh, you know, Diddly Eye and all the rest of it. Um, but I, I think um, I am going to try it. I think, I think it's well worth giving it a go and I'm going to summarise. Um, I actually have a, an episode that I was hoping to do summarising um, a study that was done so I'm going to, I think I'll try it out uh, and maybe you'll let me know what you think when it's produced. It will be in this British, a Queen's English, a posh version of myself. Um, but let's give it a go. Um, so, and if, it, if you, I mean, look, if I start, if I, if you like it and if, uh, and I, I will work on your feedback on this, I might, I'm absolutely not going to use AI exclusively for re recording podcasts, um, but I will make some shorter episodes, particularly uh, some of those informational ones rather than the opinion-based ones. So thinking more on this, Surely that's something that would be very useful for the people in charge to be doing the education stakeholders, the minister and all the rest and maybe to explain circulars when they come out as a podcast to summarise documents and so on. And do you know what? If I were the Minister for Education, that's exactly what I'd do.
So there you have it. Uh, that's AI in a nutshell. Just for the record, this was recorded by my real self, not this AI guy. I really wanted to try it in AI. And um, if it worked, I was going to reveal at the end it was created in AI. But sadly, as I said, it was uh, they haven't perfected the Irish accent yet. So it would have just sounded a bit weird. Um, but I am, as I said, going to try this uh, for my next episode, which is going to be a summary of a document or a summary of a study uh, and I have an idea in mind already. And I'll let you know how long it took me to do it. And um, that's it really for me. I hope you enjoyed this episode around AI. I think it's incredible. I'm still fascinated by what it can do. Uh, I am doing loads of work in AI in the background, uh, which I'll be maybe talking about in the future. Um, and uh, hopefully uh, you're doing the same because I think uh, collectively we can do some really interesting things as a profession. Anyway, that is it for this week. Uh, I hope to talk to you again. I hope you're enjoying your summer holidays because so I'm recording this. And um, I'll be back to you sometime in August with our next episode, either me or my virtual version of me. Thanks so much for listening. All the very best. Bye-bye. <laughs>